Hello, lovely people. Welcome to this week's episode. Uh, and it's going to be a little bit of a different one. Um, because this week is International Women's Day, we decided to do a bit of a Q&A and we posted out on our social media platforms to get your questions, your comments, your issues that you thought you would like to hear some of our players as well as some of our guests uh, have a bit of a chat about. So what you'll hear in this episode is Joe and I sitting down on a Wednesday afternoon having a long old chat through some of the questions that were sent in both by uh, some of our listeners as well as some people in some different uh, Facebook groups and chats um, about issues that uh, get dealt with for women in D&D and TTRPG and online gaming spaces. Uh, so Joe and I sat down and had that chat, but we've also sent these questions to a couple of our guests who you might recognise, uh, Kira Lee and Debbie. will chime in with some of their comments, thoughts, etc. throughout the episode. So these will be spliced in, so it might sound a little bit disconnected, uh, but that's just entirely because we could not get all of us in the same place to have these discussions uh, this time around, unfortunately. But sit back, relax, don't stress too much if, if there's issues that come up that uh, stress you out, but have a listen, have a think, see if there's things that you can do to make your gaming table, your environment, just that little bit more inviting for women and for female identifying players, uh, as well as anyone really, uh, when it comes to playing some D&D. I think we should start just, I mean, I've got, I'm going to start completely out of order from my lovely list because who would I be Great. if I didn't do that? Um, mm -hmm. And because Jackson, who some listeners will remember from our most recent Kobold Caper, um, was yes. sort of generally asking what got us into D&D &D. Um, because right. he observed that like, he and I have had conversations about this before, that there is the real stereotype around who a D&D &D player mm -hmm. is in terms of, and who an RPG mm -hmm. player is and who a Napoleonic war gamer is um, just out in yeah. society. Um, and, you know, sort of what got you into d d in the first place, what got us into d d in the first place. Yeah. And like, were there any things that kept us from playing or made us nervous to start playing back when we sort of started in a hobby that, where the stereotype maybe isn't a bunch of 20 to 40 year old women playing a game like this? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Did you want me to go first? Sure, why not? I feel like otherwise I just talk for a long time and that's Okie dokie. just my life. Yeah, it's true. That's it's weird. Well, let me tell you a tale. Um, I got into D&D through you guys. Um, I've always kind of wanted to play, um, but when I was growing up, it wasn't really like experiencing the heyday that it kind of is now. Um, so I never really and, and like I've never really felt not a part of fantasy stuff either like I've always felt it's been pretty accessible um until I started playing World of Warcraft oh no tell us more about that's a that no that story. feels like a story that leads beautifully oh. in here. I think that's because that's that's kind of the same oh, similar kinds of people right like we're not in terms of stereotype yeah, not necessarily in terms of reality but in terms of stereotype anyway oh yeah look it was always kind of like, you know, you'd appear on voice chat and they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're a real girl. And I'm like, yes, I am <laughs> Pinocchio's sister. Like, what were you expecting? Pinocchio. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm a real girl. So, <laughs> and then you'd have things like, you know, like in fantasy games like World of Warcraft, which they are fixing now that they've had all of the really horrible um, culture stuff exposed. Mm. Oh, so good. Um, like really terrible what was going on in behind the scenes at Blizzard, but like not at all surprised given that um, I have been playing that game for a while. Um, if you know, you know. Um, you know, you'd see all these like videos or the, the character animation models would have like breasts with lives of their own. And my friends and I, who are all women, who'd just be like, what do these men know? Women? Yeah. Like, do the people designing these character models know 
how boobs work. Like <laughs> they're not autonomous. Yeah. I don't I don't understand. We 100 percent have another um, question that's gonna well and truly delve us into that a lot more, I think. Oh yeah. I think I've seen so, that one and yeah. I'm very excited about it. Anyway. But, so let's let's circle back yeah, to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, but I guess like I've always had friends who are crazy nerdy people and like I've been to PAX a few times and you know with friends and um watching good game and like playing video games with people and playing board games and all that kind of stuff um but I guess I just never had friends who played D&D yeah you know so I just never really like it wasn't much of an option I think if I had friends who played D&D I would have been all over that you know what I mean but I just never really moved in those sorts of circles so whereas I think I almost have not the opposite experience but sort of in that I absolutely run in the right circles for D and D, and I've mm. actually got some friends mm-hmm. who play D and D regularly at their house. Mm-hmm. But I was not one of the people they thought would be interested in playing D and D. Oh, which really? is really interesting to me. Um, it also runs yeah. up alongside some really interesting experiences at uni because I was like, before I knew Joe, before I knew. I'm going to say anyone on this podcast. I mean, possibly I'd met... Oh, no, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have met Ben by then. I like I was the tropey, nerdy high schooler, like at the all-girls high school, but like yeah. the glasses and braces and books and... But... <gasps> we would have been friends. We would have been friends in high school, 100%. A thousand percent. But I was also a theatre kid and played sport. Um, cause I oh, don't, maybe we wouldn't have been, well, this, well, I played sport in that I played netball and I played softball, but sport wasn't, I wasn't like an athlete jock kid. Yeah. yeah I yeah. also did theater and choir because I was good at them and I like them. I still do theater. Like that's not, it's not foreign knowledge to anybody. Yeah. Um, but again, it was just one of those things that it never made its way into, I think all girls high school is probably a trickier place for that, to live a D and D or something to kind of take hold look so and much. we're talking like what 15 20 yeah, years yeah we're, ta- we're talking like yeah the 2000s right? but like the 2000s yeah. not the 2010s yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or 20s yeah. for sure dnd was like it kind of went through from my perspective anyway like it had a massive heyday in the 70s 80s and then it became like a thing on the sidelines yeah. that like only the crazy super nerds yeah like super geeky kids did right? yeah i think i think my yeah. my level of geeky kids at the time were like hardcore tumblr people and like you know it's it's fine yes it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah um but i then got into uni and i was a member of the sci-fi association and technically a member of the, the like uni, uni games which is our like board game society and technically a member of the mm-hmm. computer club because mm-hmm. like they were all next to each other and so everyone ran in the same circles and dated people who played D&D but was never right. never played D&D ever and I don't I think I was it yeah you go was it like something that you felt wasn't for you yeah like was there a, yeah okay yeah um, which is really interesting given it is a role-playing game and I'm a theatre child. Like, the fact yeah. that those things, that this nerdy theatre person who was well into, like, sci-fi and fantasy and all of that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it has a bit to do with that stereotype of who played. Yeah, interesting. Because if you look... Like, and I'm not trying to diss any of the people I know from uni here at all. I still love them all dearly. I still hang out with a lot of them. I'm sure some of them still listen to this podcast, but like I didn't fit into the stereotype of them. Like, right. because I was this social butterfly at uni and I did a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> I was on student... And you kind of flitted between groups. Yeah, well, that, but more because I, I sat on the student union and I... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Did you know, theatre and sport and things outside of school, outside of um, uni, like, and so, it, and like knowing now both that nerdy group of like friends and I class them as my nerdy friends as opposed to my like other groups of uni friends just from a categorization perspective, not from a like, you guys are all nerds though. I'm a nerd. Like, let's be realistic about this. Yeah. Um, but like other groups of friends, like the guys I used to hang out with in the TAV, all play D&D now or did then and just but I was not ever on someone's radar for that so I don't know whether yeah, right. who I am as a person <laughs> meant that I was never the the person who was at the D like in that conversation but 
yeah. yeah, who was invited to play. Yeah, I also think, and I don't know why this is, but the fact that we play online and the fact that I am playing with people in a theatre of the mind environment is a positive for me. I don't know that sitting in some of the yeah, rooms right. that at the time D&D was being played in, like I still don't mm. like going to a couple of the like gaming, quote unquote, places in Perth because I don't feel like I belong there. Yeah, that's true. Like the spaces that I've you go to. I've been to a few like, places mm, like that. No, yeah, this is not yeah, for yeah. me. Not because the people aren't lovely and not, but it's like this, this isn't for me. Yeah. It's that feeling of discomfort when you walk into a space like mm-hmm. that. Where you're just like, I don't know what goes on here. I've never had anybody introduce me to this kind of world. Like, I know that, you know, it's going to be demonstrably okay. Like, I can totally get to know the world and I can totally have, like, you know, that kind of introductory space. And I reckon if I asked people, they'd be stoked to tell me about it, right? But it's opening the gate. The gate feels yeah. really, really closed and big and wrought iron and, you know, yeah. instead a bunch of descriptions of a really pretty gate to an old man like old manor house or something but it's yeah, yeah exactly. it's not it's not a place where I ever felt like I could walk into and just be like hey I'm interested yeah. in this thing yeah can you teach me how to do the thing because like I feel like a lot of sporty people right and like I am full-on stereotyping here and I'm totally aware oh of yeah we, we are probably in this episode going generally... to stereotype some people a lot and it's not because we're trying sorry, to, it's because advice. we're talking about the, like, the bigger, broader things. We're not talking about anyone's yeah, specific, yeah, yeah. Like, sporty people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like there's a lot of people that can kind of, and a lot of situations where you can kind of walk into those sorts of things and asking for help and asking to be introduced is actually pretty standard and pretty encouraged. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, going to join a sporting team, someone will give you the low, the lowdown and, like, tell you the rules and that kind of stuff. Whereas... Things like Warhammer, you ha- you're expected to kind of come in and there's like a level of, um, you know, you're expected to come in with a level of knowledge, of previous knowledge, you know, um, that you're just not expected to have in any other situation, right? Like if I walked into um, like a World of Warcraft kind of public group, right, a looking for, for raid, an LFR dungeon, an LFR dungeon, an LFR, LFR. Yeah. Um, people who know, no. Um, I don't. Anyway, it's but like that's a, okay. Keep going. Jo. It's an automatic. It's yeah. It's a big part of the it's game fine. where you kind you. of just get dropped in. Yeah. yeah. And the computer puts you in a, a massive group. Uh-huh. If you get stuff wrong, oh boy, you yeah. are kicked out of the group. You are vilified. You are like, yeah. So like. I, and, you know, abused and particularly if you have a woman's voice, <laughs> people are like, the girl got it wrong. And that still happens. And it's super. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think there's like for spaces like this and it is getting better. Like, don't get me wrong, but it does still mm-hmm. happen. Um, for spaces like this, there's an entry level where you're kind of expected to know what you're doing a little bit more than you would be if you would like starting a new sport, for example. Or, you know, learning um, to play an instrument, you know, joining a choir. Like, yeah. um, although, to be fair, in a choir you have to... I was going to say, but, you know, I like, think the only place that I've seen it be similar and, like, not... I don't want to use the word toxic because it ha- that has so many implications. But what I... Yes. What I more... Is that, that sort of, like, making people feel really uneasy and that, like, if you get it wrong certain members of that community and it is not a majority but there are people who are very loud about it will judge you for it the only place that i've also seen it be true is in the theater yeah um and that is not what this podcast is about we people can ask me about that another time but yeah again because you go in and people have an expectation that you have a certain level of understanding about the process of an audition or what is expected when you rock up to rehearsals and things like that which are fine, but it makes... But sometimes people... Some people don't know. Yeah, it makes it really hard to enter that kind of situation, yeah. Um, And just for reference, if anyone does want to get into the theatre and does want to have conversations about that, my Twitter DMs are open for conversations. It's totally fine. Like, I've been doing theatre for a very long time. Allow me to give you your basic rundown of 
do send, don't send, How don't worry about. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, and, you know, I think it, it's... The, I think DNDocs is a really good example. DNDocs is a really good example of where we actually embraced the idea that we had people who'd never played or barely played before. Hi. Yeah, and I mean, hello. Hi, also me. I had not played prior to us pitching this, and I actually talked to someone... Yep who I think still listens to this podcast and I really need to text them back and I'm really sorry I owe you a message back I saw your message and I haven't messaged you back sorry um who gave <laughs> who gave me a set of dice out of his collection because I didn't have any and like we talked about what potential would be like what kinds of things I might have fun doing based on his knowledge of me um prior to us starting recording and we talked about it and I kind of got a primer to everything from someone who was really oh, into it. I actually, like, there's that person we were talking about, the person with the key that gets you in the door and, like, yes. you know, um, the fact that I ended up like having the same that. as the person who lends you, like, you know, um, a hockey stick if you want to play hockey and you've never played before. Yeah, or the person who walks into the audition room with you. Like, that person got me yeah. through the door but I'd still not yes. play. This is the longest running campaign I've ever played in. This is the longest I've played a character. Yep. Lord forbid the four or five characters I have now. Like, you know, it's yeah. Like it's a completely different experience. But we are yeah. very lucky that we have people like Ben, people like Ross, people like oh, definitely Jackson, even who are willing to come on board with people who've never really played very much before. Kiralee as well. <laughs> we love you, Kiralee and Debbie. Yeah. I'm sure we'll be hearing from you later. And Debbie. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but like that idea of just having people who are willing to jump on board. Um, we've got another female mm -hmm. guest who's coming, whose episodes will be coming out soon. Mm -hmm. My guess is around Easter. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, who like, I, we also pitched if they wanted to respond, but I don't know if they will. Um, but another guest who's coming on. And these are all people who have been playing for a long time, have a very good understanding of the game, but who are like, yeah, okay. Sure. Um, we'll, we'll do, do that. that. Absolutely. We'll jump in. So having those people around, I think, has a massive positive effect. Um, and we hope, I mean, I certainly hope that, you know, if there are women who want to play D&D who are listening, <laughs> and, like, reach out to Joe and I. I mean, we don't, we're busy people, but, like, we will 100% respond and get back to you and be like, hey, don't stress. Yeah, like, man. Let us, let us be your gates into the world. Um you know, yeah. you've, you've listened to Critical Role. We're, we're going to warn you, it's not all like Critical Role, but, like, you know, let, let's help you find yeah. somewhere safe and comfy to land to to play your first yeah. game or whatever it is. So I guess I have to start with saying where I began. Uh, a long time ago, I was working with a co-worker who was from a different country who was a little bit shy, and he had said that he liked playing D&D, but also he was looking to make more friends because he was new to the country. So I said that I would go to him, go with him to a D&D club, like a RPG club. They didn't play just D&D, but that's that was the main thing that they played. And they just did little one shots that you could see whether you liked playing and you could go back every so often and play in a campaign if you wanted. And I went with my friend to, to give him a little bit of support. And it was strange because I walked into that place and I felt like I didn't belong there. There were a lot of people that clearly already knew each other for a long time. And I think that there was probably a bit of a culture that they were all gamers. And I, I wasn't a gamer. I played like Pokemon and The Sims and that was all I'd ever played. I hadn't played an RPG before. And... So that immediate reaction was, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't really feel comfortable. All of the people in my games were men. I saw a couple of other women in the store and there were a couple of non-binary people too. And that was, that was all, there weren't very many. But the DM that I was playing with was really supportive. So he absolutely went through my character sheet. He gave me help whenever I needed it. He'd just say things like, oh, you have a sword or you have a club. You can choose which one you want and they'll do different things. And when I did something that wasn't with the rules, he told me how it worked without judging me. And so I started to feel a lot more comfortable because he was helping me quite a lot. And so I got through the first game and I got to the end and while I still didn't know if I was this was like my community or anything 
I felt like I had been acknowledged and supported and they didn't care whether I was from their background or not. They were just like, you know what, you're here, let's go play. I think the other thing is when it comes to playing, it can be quite vulnerable as we've kind of spoken about before because you're being another character and it's it's sometimes hard to get into that mindset of just being free with pretending to be another character. I did a lot of acting and drama and so that was not a bad thing for me. I really enjoyed improv. But showing like emotions in a game or something like that, I actually took a really long time to to warm up to that. And I love it now. Like I'm totally into it now. But at the time when I was playing with these people for the first time and I could see that they were doing it, it made me a little bit nervous to to participate in that um, until I'd played quite a few sessions actually. Hey everyone, this is Joe. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of Dungeons and Doctorates. If you enjoy the show, why not recommend the podcast to a friend? It really helps us out. If you have questions for our cast about the show or a submission for a mid-show message, head on over to dndoctorates.com. That's dndoctorates.com. You can also help support the show by checking out our sweet, sweet merch over at merch.dndoctorates.com. Honestly, I cannot tell you just how comfortable those sweatshirts are. Oh my gosh, I wear it all the time. It's amazing. (laughs) And now, back to the show. I think something else to really think about is... So I, I, ha- I was on, I'm on a couple of Facebook groups that are about like women in D&D and mm-hmm. women and non-binary and trans people in D&D. Like it, it's basically groups for people who aren't straight white men <laughs> because right. those groups exist um, uh, yeah, for and reasons. We, you know, we need those Somewhat groups. that we have already explained. Um, <laughs> and someone asked, I think it was, her name was Emma. I don't remember now, which is really bad. Hang on. Her name Emma? Nope. Whose question was that? Don't remember. Might have been Sam's, actually. Um, who was talking, who was asking about mansplaining. Have you ever found, like, you've been in these kind of communities, TTRPG communities, D&D communities, and been mansplained to, been talked down to, been gatekept? And what do you do? Because, like, I think it's a fair question. Like, what do you do? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on where you are. Is it safe for you to react a certain way, right? Like safety is your first priority. Like is reacting and calling this person out actually going to be detrimental to your safety? Yeah. Right. Like a lot of the time in those sorts of situations, I don't feel comfortable calling people who are mansplaining to me um, out because I'm like, well... A, I don't know you. I don't know how you're going to react to me saying something. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel safe to do yeah. that. Um, or And I don't feel like I'm in the in an environment when I, where I'm going to be supported if I do call mm-hmm. you out, right? So this is also why men need to to call out their, their brothers, right, and just be like, guys, no, that's not okay. Because a lot of the time we don't feel comfortable doing to, it. What? Crazy. To quote my friend Nathan, why are men... <laughs> and yes, who gave you the audacity? Basically. Yeah, like essentially. Yeah. yeah. So like yeah, I mean, I'm really fortunate. I've never had like not never. <laughs> um, it has happened to me before, but it's usually in a place where I feel safe to be like, "Uh-huh." <laughs> you know, and just like, "Cool." Like I remember I um I was playing a game, like a board game with somebody um and there was this guy who was, he's a dear friend, but my goodness, he just, he, he gets very explainy mm-hmm. and like, you're just not doing it right. Let me. And I was just like, mate, you need to sit back and let me figure it out for myself and let me take however long I need to take my turn, you know, like just stop, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, but I felt safe to do that. And I was with some people and I'm um, actually one of my friends was just like, I loved that moment. I had a lot of respect for that moment and it gave me a high five afterwards and it was great. Um, but you know, like, I think if you're being mansplained too, there's this, this idea that, you know, you're not being, 
you're not doing it right unless you're calling out that behavior. And I really feel like we need to give women a break and give ourselves a break as women um, and and non-binary people um, and trans people to just, you know, you don't have to be the warrior today. Like, you don't have to do that. Today is not the day I put on my boots. You don't have... Exactly, right? Like, if you don't feel like you have the energy, if you feel like you're in a place where, um, you know, you're not safe to say anything, or if you just don't... You're tired... Like, sometimes people get freaking exhausted calling this stuff out all the time, right? Like, you don't have to be that warrior every day. And actually, we shouldn't, in a lot of ways, the people who are getting that kind of treatment shouldn't be the ones who are calling that out in the first place, yes. right? Al- allyship is important like and it means using to... yourself as a human yeah. shield. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think I've... Have I had stuff mansplained to me before in the context of D&D and TTRPGs? Yes. Yes, I have. Um, (laughs) In part because whilst I'd never played, I knew a lot because I had a lot of people who ran in those circles and I dated someone to the point that I could watch Tripod, the comedy trio, did a thing called Tripod vs. the Dragon. Yeah, and understand. There's a lot of D&D jokes in that that I understood all of. Which is terrifying, given at the time I had never played D&D before. But that idea of someone being like... I had someone try and explain to me what a dump stat was. I was like, I know what a dump stat... Like, what? So when it's mansplaining, I think I'm a bit more likely to just respond with a like, "Uh uh-huh, cool, I'm just going to keep going because I'm going to choose to ignore you because that's there's no effort involved in me just being like, okay, all right, thanks. Um, in terms of, like, avoiding gatekeepers and stuff, I think... No, no, you're right. I think gatekeepers is harder. Um, but do you want to be involved in a group where someone is gatekeeping? Look... I play D&D, D&D Doctorates is a podcast that I'm a group, I'm a part of, right? So that, even though I do do that for fun, that is slightly different. I think if yeah. I were playing D&D outside of that and there was a person in the group who was being gatekeepy and awful, I, like, I'm in my 30s. I'm very okay with just being like, you know what? I have minimal amounts of free time. I'm done. Yeah. I can't, I can't handle that. Like, I'm just not, I'm not here for that. No. <laughs> and I mean, like... You know, and I think, you know, the groups of people that I would play with would totally understand and support that. But like, (laughs) yeah, I'm just, I'm not here for that. Yeah. Okay. I only have a certain number of spoons. Yep. My my thing is like, if you're going to gatekeep me out of somewhere, it's probably somewhere I don't need to be or rather you are not the vicinity in which I need to be to get involved in this thing. So I'll find the back gate. That's fine. You can get mad yeah. later when I'm inside the party. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. Um, but in terms of uh, in terms of dealing with them, I do think that if you see someone being gatekeepy to someone else, that's when I'm more likely to step up and just be like, um. Yeah. Um. Yeah, same. No. Um, and my no. other piece of advice is if you're being gatekept, talk to someone about it. Because, like, so oh, for... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't put yeah, up Yeah, like, um... The partner of mine who played a lot of D&D that I think I absorbed a lot of my D&D from, he and I, like, he, if I, if he'd caught whiff of me being gatekept against, like, that, that would, he would have dealt with it. Not because it's, not because he's him, but rather because he's already in that community and can be like, um, dude, no, don't be gross. That's awful. Um, less because he's, a guy, but more because he's the person who I'm like, I can tell you this safely and you can help me deal with this problem. Um, so, yeah. I have been mansplained so many times. <laughs> and it's not with people I play with. I think I'm really lucky in that all the people I play with are just really solid, respectful people. But I've been out and about and 
you know, worn a D&D top and then someone's kind of like, oh, ha, ha, what do you do? You just play a little elf? Oh, ha, ha. And I'm like, no, I run the game. Thank you very much. I, I put quite a lot of effort into this. Um, and the other one that I see is so weird and I think it's really specific, but because um, I do a lot of science communication and I go out to schools and things like that to talk about science. And one of the things that I'm really, really a big proponent for is this intersectional approach to science. You know, it's in a whole bunch of things, it's dungeons and doctorates. It looks at a lot of science in this fantasy setting. So I'm quite open about my hobbies and I will mention to them, I'll say, hey, I play D&D and I think that the creativity it gives me and the flexibility that I'm able to exercise in D&D translates back into the research that I do because I'm, I'm looking for these out-of-the-box solutions to things. And it's funny that like a lot of teenage boys like to mansplain to me about D&D and tell me how, you know, they're like these really edgy characters, their parents died and, and they're like bound to a devil now and everyone hates them. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, like, um, I'm Susie Methuselah. I am a really clumsy PhD student who likes slimes. And they are like, oh, that doesn't sound fun. That's not cool. That's not how you play. And I'm kind of like, yes, it is. I, that is how I play. And that's how a lot of people like to play. And I don't want you to play in a way you don't want to play. And I don't want you to tell me how to play because it just means we shouldn't play together and there's nothing wrong with that so in terms of avoiding gatekeepers I specifically go out of my way I think to make sure that the people I'm going to be playing with are really respectful and I just don't have a drive to play with people who aren't so I can say no I I don't want to participate in that game and I know you you kind of often hear bad D&D is worse than no D&D and I really do believe that and I guess if I had tips for finding those people I recognize it a lot based on how people treat me in real life so a lot of the people I play with will you know check up on me hey are you feeling burned out at all you know we, we can skip if you want they um, put a lot of effort into making sure that they come to games and they play respectfully and it's hard to find that if you're not playing a game so the way that I do it is to run a one shot with them and if I just see any red flags during that one shot I just won't play and that's both as a player or a DM if I see them in the first session I, I'm not gonna stick around really. Gonna circle back to a question that we sort of touched on before but not really. Um, sorry let me get the full context for this one. Um, Chantel, who was on one of the wonderful Facebook groups that I went trawling through. I'm going to read the whole thing because I think it actually contextualizes this really well. Um, can we talk about the ridiculous lack of decent representation in the prefabricated modules? For example, female NPCs have quote unquote diaries that are very schoolgirl-esque, whereas male ones have journals with all the information needed for the campaign. Not that the players necessarily know what that means. It just really frustrates me. Does it frustrate anyone else? Is it just me? Maybe usually being the only female and having a son, it really hits home how male gaze these are, even when it's quote unquote progressive. Like there's one where a trap closes, closed and opened in line with contractions during labor, which is apparently like every 10 seconds. So like, let's not talk about the science of that. When she pointed out that that was physically incorrect, she was told that was how it was written. And it's something that she thinks puts off a lot of people, not just female representation, but yeah. other stereotypes, even when they are willing to give that a go. There are stereotypes that are like written into both the prefab modules and into people's expectations and kind of awkwardly into some of the like, um, character building stuff. What do you think? Yes. Oh, I have so many Go feelings. Go for it, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Launch, lady. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like what we were talking about before with like female models in mm. games, they're often added as an afterthought, mm -hmm. right? Like they're, you know, the men who are designing them are like, oh, crap, we have to do something. Let's whack boobs Except, on it. <laughs> um, pretty much. One of the best examples, I think, of this is the Mass Effect series. Uh, the best examples of this backfiring spectacularly anyway um, is a Mass Effect series. Um, the voice actor for the female Shepard I think was never intended to be the main and like you look at all of the Mass Effect um, 
advertising and that kind of stuff and it's all male shepherd, right? So there's two main characters. There's a male shepherd and a female shepherd, female commander shepherd, right? Um, And anyway, the voice actor for female commander shepherd was so spectacularly wonderful, right? Um, That a lot of people just preferred to play as female shepherd because the voice acting was so much better. Um, And so you kind of see this like progression. If you play those those games, like not only does the graphics get Mm -hmm. better, but the model gets a lot better and a lot less sexualized as it goes through. Ah. Um, Because people were playing as female shepherd. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, like, yeah. And I think that was one of the really, it was a really good example of, um, you know, a female representation. We won't talk about Miranda's butt, but Mm. anyway, Mm. we won't go there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Enough said, really, I think. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, enough said. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. Like, I think that was a good unintentional sort of consequence of the voice actors there. So thank you very much. Um, But, yeah, I know so many people who rave about that game and I'm like, did you play as a female or male shepherd? And they were like, female. Um, Yeah, so, yeah. So after that, like, you started seeing more and more female choices to play in games, right? Um, A lot of them were just added as afterthoughts, though. Like, there was the Assassin's Creed, you know, group that – or – game where I think they said that they were adding a female option to play and then were like, nah. And then they did it in Odyssey. Yeah. Um, and she was really cool. She was. Um, she was very cool. And yeah, it's it's becoming a lot more just expected, which is nice. Um, and you got games like the one that I'm playing right now, Horizon Forbidden <laughs> West, where, Aloy. you know, they had that yeah. massive, massive, like, outcry about how Aloy looked normal. How dare she? And there was, like, all, the, all of these tech bros on the internet who were like, but but she doesn't, she's not somebody that I want to play because I don't want to look at her. And it's like, Oh, well, you mean yeah. she doesn't look like a human Barbie doll? Okay. Yeah, You're not exactly, the only target right? demographic yeah. for this particular Pretty game, precisely. I flip and love playing as Aloy because, you know, she doesn't wear makeup. She doesn't, you know, she has spectacular hair that I am jealous of. Um, (laughs) But also, like, she's a warrior. She moves around. She wears comfy clothes. Like, it's, you know, I think it's getting a lot better and we're not having those sorts of situations where, like, we have the the boobs with brains (laughs) that appear to have, like, light minds of their own and yeah it's just getting a lot better I think it is yeah I think it's also really tricky because and I mean I think we we ran into this actually when we were doing um the that Cobalt Capers episode with Jackson where um Mm -hmm. this stuff can be can happen completely unintentionally in something that's role-played and live and things like that because yeah you're talking about and this is me putting my like actor brain on I play, I, I got accused the other day of, of playing characters who are like me. And I'm like, okay, well, what I think you mean there is that I find myself in all my characters and that's a compliment, but I don't think that's what you said. So, <laughs> yeah. sure. It um, never is. <laughs> but it's really hard to play, to, 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 it's really hard to envisage a situation you've never been in. So, uh, um, like, yeah. I did a show uh, at the start of 2020, just before I moved back to Perth, um, and I played a queer character, like, mm-hmm. that was hectically, like, but was closeted and, like, all these things that I am not. Mm-hmm. And I don't really run in circles with people who feel like they need to closet themselves. And so I mm-hmm. had I spent a lot of time doing a lot of research about what that would be like because I needed to know that to put this character on stage. But mm-hmm. I can imagine that if you're a dude who's never, like, <laughs> thought about what it is actually like to be a woman or done any of that research or been in certain situations that are typically women only, mm. then it would be really hard to roleplay those things. Like Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've had some interest, like seen some interesting discussions floating around about people who are like, uh, there's an NPC that's hitting on my character and I don't know what to do because that's yeah. just not something like their, their character, them as a person doesn't go into a bar and get hit on. So they don't yeah. know how to 
handle this situation in their game. And I'm like, that's well, well yeah. <laughs> this is this is me reacting to. I know, it, right? right? I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an ace person who, like, very rarely gets hit on because I guess I just don't put out that kind of energy, right? And, like, the second Ben started doing that, I was like... <laughs> Whereas I, on the other hand, saw Brain it coming and cut. I'm like, no, 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 Ben, don't. Why are you making Raymond hit on me? Why? <laughs> Why does he have to suck so much? <laughs> so but, like, Yeah, anyway. and, and so, you know, we ran into the, the thing in that episode where... Um, and I... I will be brutally honest. I don't listen to the episodes. This is a known fact. I don't listen to them after they come out. I will eventually. No, me <laughs> because <laughs> there's like, I need to listen to some of the more recent ones because stuff's happened to you guys that I've not heard. Um, but yeah. Ben tried to be two women having a conversation in a bathroom. And I was like, <gasps> yes! and I just, Joe and I could feel Joe and I just like looking at each other through the cameras and just being like, Ben, baby, you can't do that. Oh, this is like, so I, funny. Like, I love you for trying, <laughs> but let us do this. It was so Please funny. Please let us do this. Oh, man. Because it was not, great. Again, not because there was anything wrong with what he was trying to do, but the two of us could just feel it. And we were like, this is such a real world. This feels not right. Yeah. Because this is not yeah, how yeah, women yeah. talk when they're in the bathroom with their friends. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, your only experience with this has been through the the lens of the television. Yeah, and, like, it let us do it. It's fine. And it's not, it's no one's fault. Like, that just happens. No, absolutely and, not. And I think, I think that's the big Actually, in, in some ways, I'm kind of glad he didn't know what was going on in women's bathrooms because I feel like that would be a more concerning I mean, to, sort of thing to, to be very about. fair, I, anyway. know, I, I grew up with brothers, so unfortunately I have a lot of understanding of what goes on in male bathrooms, which maybe it's more testament <laughs> to my family than anything else. Um, but <laughs> when you're the only girl and, like, your brothers play sport, yeah, you've, you've heard those conversations, whether you like them or not. The okay, house great. becomes a locker room. Yeah, great, fair. good, thanks, thanks oh, for that. Oh, no. no. Um, but... I think, I think, and that's that's kind of my view now. Is I see that a lot more, and when I look at the prefabricated model um, modules and things like that, especially some of the ones that are older, mm -hmm. what I see is mm -hmm. some people who maybe didn't have that many experiences with women writing feet, or who had never run with boobs. Before. Oh my god! Just give them a sports bra. My god, it's gonna. I hurt. know. Um, yeah. Like, give right? me an option. Anyway. Jesus. <laughs> um, but just have never, like, thought about the fact that, like, women's armour doesn't have boobs on it because that would be bad for projectiles. Yeah. It would hit you in the face. Yeah. Like, thank yeah. you, Brienne of Tarth, for right? wearing normal armour. Like, you know, there's, it's... Let's maybe not put, like, a gap for sexy skin to show Yeah, it, and it's it's not that they hadn't had intentionally been like, hey, I'm going to create something that is completely, like, awful for women to have to deal with if they're playing this game <laughs> yeah. that I've, I'm, I've yeah. written. It's that they've gone... Yeah, it's not like there well, was this a goblin a in, the, in the code going... <laughs> yeah, it's that they've gone, this is my fantasy realm. I'm going to make the women the way I want the women in this fantasy environment. And I use that mm -hmm. phrase not in a fantasy by genre, but fantasy by fantastical, yeah. self-designed, whatever. And I don't blame them for that, but it does now show up much more that this was a game that was very popular in the 70s and 80s when we didn't think so much about people and, like, the different types of people in society and their different experiences. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that we have anyone in our world that I can think of, unless Ben wants to come in, like, edit in and correct me here, I don't think there's anyone in our world who is of trans experience. Mm. And that's because none of us are. And that's not an yeah. experience we can talk to. Um, yeah. We're also really careful about our queer characters, that they are not super tropey. Because yes. that's really important to us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. Those things that exist are frustrating, and it is important for voices of women, of people of different 
experiences, be that racially, sexually, gender-wise, are represented in games that are now as popular as they are. Um, But it takes people to make those steps and to write prefab modules that take those things into account and to create homebrew and stuff to, to fix it. I have found that uh, a lot of, I, I'm not sure how this is true, but all the modules and stuff that I find seem to be going out of their way to have much more nuanced and interesting uh, characters, especially gender-wise, like the non-binary characters, but also, you know, um, women who are like the, 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 the captain and... Um, like just interesting, complicated, complicated characters. It can be difficult for people who write modules to get that in, especially if it's a one shot, because it's very, you know, you necessarily do have to lean on um, not stereotype so much as just like quick, quick references so that you understand, you know, who each character is very quickly within that one shot. I will say that um, I will say that I don't have a problem with uh, female ca- women in in games being sexualized, um, or in fact, I don't have a problem with them like the, uh, acting down certain gendered gendered lines, like a, a worried mother or um, uh, saving a princess. These kinds of things. The, the issue for me is when that's the only, that's the only story, you know, there are, there's nothing wrong with having, you know, parts of women are sexual, like there's nothing wrong with having sexualized characters. The problem is that's when you only have uh, sexualized female characters, you don't have female characters that are, you know, anything else. Like, you know, that, that they have characteristics, you know, that they're courageous or even that they're, um, you know, complicated and evil or they're uh, flawed in, you know, in interesting ways. Like maybe they, they are um, power hungry and, uh, you know, and, and, and greedy for like they want to be, you know, they want to be at the top echelons of power or... Or even you have, you know, I don't know, uh, a daughter that wants to be a soldier or like just just any experience of humanity can fit within any body of any particular gender or gender expression. And I think, yeah, more and more I'm seeing that in modules. I really, really like um, the series uh, Uncaged Anthology, which is on the DMs Guild it's an incredible, I think I might have, <laughs> I, it's my second thing. I talk about safety tools and I talk about uncaged anthology. Um, it is like a little bit subverting the narrative, especially of the like um, kind of femme presenting monsters. So like harpies and all these kinds of things. Uh, it's a little bit subverting and then also a little bit kind of reclaiming the original stories of things like the Medusa. Anyway, if you want those are written really well and often have very very interesting gender diverse npcs uncaged anthology it's very good this is something that frustrates me so much so i have a very small story in one of my games as a dm heaps of the really important characters are women so many of them to the point that one of my players very joking, jokingly said, oh, they're, they're all women. Are there any men that do anything in this world? And my very first thought was, so what? I've been reading fantasy my whole life and that's Lord of the Rings. Everyone's a man. Who am I supposed to relate to? The person that I related to the most was Samwise, who showed typically feminine traits and all of the women, the you know, all three of them in the movies, there's not many, um, they, they were cool because they were exhibiting like these quite masculine features as well. You know, they were good at fighting and stuff like that, which that's cool. But it means that it's still written not from the perspective of what a female goes through. And so reading these pre-made modules that have these women that have these traits and even the feminine parts of them or like, you know, the more traditionally feminine traits like motherhood, 
are just not written very well. I find that sad, so I often don't play those modules. And especially when they're like the really like sexy and alluring women. You know what? Some women are very sexy and very, very alluring. But that's not all they are. And so I don't want to play NPCs who are like this. And so in that situation, I would change them up. I would try and give them more depth. So um, an example is um, recently in one of my games, there was a character who was supposed to be like really sexy and alluring and stuff like that. And she, she got caught by a rock and the rock like flew away with her and dropped her. And so now she's like developed quite this, quite a heavy fear of heights. And it's, it's become a bit of a funny thing in the game, even though she's an NPC. Cause she's like, I'm not climbing, like, I'm sorry, I'm not climbing that mountain. You have to figure out a way around it. Cause I'm scared of heights now. And even though that could be played and are like, oh, woe is me, I'm I'm such a sad little woman who can't help myself. I'm sorry, that really hurt to say that. Um, even though she has developed this fear, it's also something that she is trying to overcome. She recognizes what it is and she's like, you know what, I have these other ideas of how we can get up this mountain and, and face my fears. And I think that's a much more rounded character development for a person just not even just a woman but as a person so I guess those kind of things you can add into pre-made modules it's a little bit hard I'm not gonna lie but also so many of them will just have somebody that is written and there's no reason why they can't be a woman like you have this really well written male NPC who's like some lord or something why can't he be the lady of the house like just why not in terms of other RPGs, I haven't played a lot of other RPGs to to see that, but I know that there are some that are specifically written with females in mind. So um, there's one that's written for children called Palaces and Princesses, I think, um, that I've tried to play with my niece. I think that's really cute because you have all these like Disney-like princesses that are solving the problems in their world. There's like a really strong emphasis on you know, the empathy that you show towards nature and things like that, which can again be seen as traditionally feminine traits, but are clearly amazing, strong traits that are really good for any human. And I just think that's really cool. I think it's cool, especially because it's it's targeted at these young girls who are getting these ideas in their head really early on. So it turns out that Joe and I and our special guests had way too much to say when it comes to International Women's Day and D&D and TTRPGs. So we're going to leave this part right here and we'll pick it up with part two coming out on Monday. We'll see you then. 